Inescapably foreign. Welcome to Without Borders. I'm your host, Nolan Yuma. If you haven't tuned into the show before, you know that this, uh, if you haven't tuned in before, this is the show for nomads, expats, immigrants, third culture kids, or anyone else that feels inescapably foreign. Today I'm here with Chantal Patton, uh, a nomad pulling off what many people believe isn't possible, running a successful business while traveling to over 100 countries with her husband and three kids. Uh, so with one with over 120,000 subscribers on YouTube, you may have come across Growing Up Without Borders before, and I'm definitely interested in getting to know how the patents pull off running a successful vlog, blog, online courses while homeschooling. Uh, and of course, we'll also get into the psychological and sociological effects of living the nomadic lifestyle. Uh, but before we get into all that, Chantal, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today. This is really exciting. And uh, hopefully I'll be an open book and kind of show what we don't always show on our YouTube channel with you guys. So, yeah. Okay, perfect. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so you know, just so the listeners know, where, where are you right now? What kind of videos could they could they get into right now? Uh, right now we are visiting Thailand. And so um, it's country, we're at country 121. We just finished visiting Japan and Mongolia and Korea. And so, yeah, we have so many um, upcoming videos of different countries that we have not yet even released. So. Okay, so a little sneak peek here, maybe. Well, this video will be released a little bit later as well, so maybe it'll line up. Um, and so how long are you staying in each country um, right now? That's a really good question. Um, so I like to sometimes slow down a little bit, if you will. And my husband is more about like, let's get this all done because we're on a mission to visit every country in the world. And COVID kind of slowed us down, just like obviously it did to everyone. And um, so we spent a long time in New Zealand during COVID. And so now we're kind of back out there and the time is clicking because my eldest is about to go to post-secondary school. And so we're trying to do this as a family structure. So our time is running low. So normally we would be like, taking our time and if we like a place we just stay longer and if we don't then we just keep going so there's no real answer I guess to the question other than you know once we've seen a lot of it then we tend to move on I guess and now we're starting to go back to countries that we really enjoy like Thailand so <laughs> okay but is that why you're kind of in a rush then to get to every country because your eldest daughter is yeah like if she said oh I'll just take another gap year that would just be so much easier um but, you know, yeah. she has a life to live as well. So now we're going to have to time it around when she's on holidays and stuff like that. But that's OK. It'll just slow us down, which is a good thing for us. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a big uh, fan of slow travel. I think that's where most of the benefits come in. And you've written about some of the benefits of travel as well. And I think most of those benefits you usually experience when you're spending a little bit more time in a country. Yes. Um, now I'm I'm wondering what your viewpoint is on it with the with what you're doing now a little bit faster to try and meet these goals because me personally I've always been like oh really like why why do we have to get these numbers in right isn't it kind of more important to really spend some time but then I also see like oh we we only have so much time so maybe sometimes we we have to go faster to be able to experience as much as possible 
I, I guess do, it's I like that there are two sides but yeah well and it depends on like how maybe like in this case it's like a goal so it's like how goal oriented do we really want to be and then at what point is it just like uh who cares really like what are we trying to do you know with this whole thing but you know yeah. Uh, so that's like a debate that we actually often have in our family. We're like, what, why are we even doing this in the end? Like, cause we're starting to get into harder countries that are going to be really challenging to even get to, or to even do anything while we're there, you know, things like that. So but okay. we'll see. Well, we'll see. Talk, talk about harder countries. What is one of the, um, uh, <laughs> the worst bureaucratic stories you have when it comes to getting visas and things like that. It's something I always bring up on the show because, um, well, in most cases, I find bureaucracy when it comes around immigration to be kind of archaic, sometimes classist, sometimes even racist, uh, if you hear about a lot of the experiences. Um, but well, what, thankfully, what I mean, I, I should... I, we're actually really grateful that we have good passports because certain countries really, it is a big challenge, isn't it? Um, but more so, and you would think that after being to this many countries would be really organized, but we just ended up missing two flights to Japan because um, we were going to fly through Vietnam and we didn't realize that they don't issue visas on arrival during the weekends. So we couldn't do anything about it, so we couldn't board the flight. And then we went to board again through Singapore. And this time, uh, we didn't realize that Japan still had a three vax rule, which they just lifted. So we missed that flight as well. So like just bureaucracy and things like that is just like triple checking things before you go. And, you know, because we're a family of five and the girls are all grown up, we're like, oh, didn't you look? Oh, didn't you look? You know? <laughs> So. Okay, it's a, a little a little bit on you there, I guess. But no, no stories where the bureaucrats lost the paperwork or made you like you know rejected something because it was signed outside of the line. Well, or like that. For example, we couldn't get into South Africa. Now this goes back years ago, but that's because the girls didn't have what's called a long form birth certificate. And so when you go into South Africa, they really want to make sure that you are the parents of the children because they have issues with trafficking and such. And so. Um, I had, um, what's called a family booklet. It's from Switzerland because I have dual citizenship and in there it shows like the parents, the kids, like it's an official document and they wouldn't even accept that to show that we are the parents. So, um, that was, you know, we had to do a rush thing from Canada. And so we just had to stay in Mozambique for a few extra days until that arrived and then even when it did arrive, they like really checked it. Like it was just really strange for us because like obviously there are kids, you know what I mean? But yeah. they were just, That's you know, they have to follow the but rules. At least, at least just a couple extra days. Yeah. Some still yeah. people have stories of just being stuck somewhere for months or. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah. Thank God. Okay. Well, let, let's get into uh, with, with your kids because um, one of your articles, I think it's article four on, on your website. So people will have to go back through the beginning of the all the articles. Uh, but travel-related things that make your child stronger. Um, you wrote this, I think, in 2017. I was wondering, has anything changed from your perspective here? Um, because you also mentioned that social media makes it easy to maintain friendships, right? Yes. Do you so think it's still the case, or? <clears throat> okay, I, I probably I probably have a different perspective now because our girls are so much older. Um, I would say full-time travel with kids is extremely difficult when you get into those teenage years because 
this morning, okay, just something simple as getting your license, right? My daughters, two of them are of age where in, at least in Canada, you can get a license or in New Zealand, right? And so having driver's ed classes when you're traveling, trying to get your license when you're traveling, you know, all those things they're missing out on. They've missed out on prom and like things like this that, you know, and they, they see all these videos on other people and they're like, oh, they just got their license or oh they, and I'm like, it's okay. You know, you know, so like, there's just like this thing that they feel like they, they don't always see everything that they've gained through travel and they're missing out. And then the boyfriend issue, that's like a whole other story, right? They're at the age now where, you know, they're like, dudes, this is not cool. Like we want to have like a boyfriend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So it's just like, you know, and it's one thing if you do little travels, like you go and then you maybe come back or so that would be different, right? So at least we stayed in New Zealand for a good two and a half years. So that was nice. Like they got to, you know, meet a lot of friends and be in specific areas. But now that we're on the road again, they're kind of like, you know, guys. (laughs) Aside from the U.S., is New Zealand the country you lived in the longest as a family? Um, consecutively, yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, what were the other countries you spent like a long period of time in? No, so not just Spain, but said Spain. Okay. Uh, yep. Yep. We did on and off for two years in Southern Spain. We loved it. Um, Switzerland and, um, yeah, US, Canada. Those are kind of like the longer stays. I think you have a pretty unique perspective there because Switzerland and U.S. also have a lot of cultural differences, and Switzerland and Spain definitely have a lot of cultural differences. Um, what are some of the things that you find have made it difficult maybe to adapt in the United States um, from Switzerland or some things that are some kind of stand okay. out in the cultural differences? And then maybe This is so funny because we were just speaking about this yesterday. We were walking on the street and we were like, you know, we try not to generalize, but then you do. But every country has its own culture, you know, whether and because we just came from Japan, where everyone's so courteous and, you know, if you're taking a photo, they'll just wait, you know, in other cultures. So they're just like walking in front of you. They don't care. They're quiet. You know, you go to America, it's all of a sudden everyone's loud and they speak and like they're so exaggerated. And, you know, we were in Korea recently and we saw a BTS guy come out. He's like one of these famous, you know, BTS Yes, yeah. Okay, okay, just in case, because like I don't really know if everyone knows. Uh, well, so I guess for the show, do you want to quickly explain what BTS is, just for the listeners? Uh, famous, like, so Korean pop stars, like there's this one group called BTS, and they're like super famous. They're and the they're, okay, they're the biggest. So yeah. the one guy, oh, I don't even remember his name, but he was coming off the plane. And what's hilarious is we were, everybody was there, like the whole paparazzi, and everyone was waiting for this guy. And as we were walking through, we were observing, and we were like, oh, there's an American. Oh, there's a whatever. And we were pretending, like, trying to guess who 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 is what, because they are, like, so, you know, an American goes by, and they're like, oh, are these photos for me? Or, like, they, like, say something, and then the European, kind of more Russians are more, like, just walking straight and don't say anything and kind of look. You know, like, everyone has a different culture, right? Yeah. And so I forget what we were, what the question even was, but it, it's, oh, the reverse. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say like it's more of the reverse between Switzerland and the states, and then maybe Switzerland and and uh, Spain. Also, just just quick note here when it comes to uh, generalizations, I think we have to be careful with stereotypes, but at the same time, we need to be aware of the generalizations so we don't make mistakes, and so that we don't come into a country just acting completely like ourselves, and then maybe doing something that could be offensive. And also with generalizations, it's 
it's kind of a business competence and cultural competence is based on, right? Like we look yeah. at well, like things that you don't know. And sometimes it only, you only discover it after being there because people don't always tell you and they don't want to be rude to tell you, you know, some cultures are very fast to correct you because it's like here in this country, you do it like this, you know, and they have no problem telling you. Um, yeah. But in other cultures, it's something that you just only learn after the fact. And you're like, oh, crap, I wish somebody would have told me that. I just made a fool of myself. Or like in Switzerland, you don't really joke in a meeting. like, And you don't do small talk like we would in yeah. other countries. And so things like this, you don't really understand until you're there. You know? So. I think a big difference between Switzerland and the States is that they're very theory first when it comes to business meetings. Like you might present the theory and then after people will have questions about the applications, whereas like the state is very application first, right? You present what, what can, what's the outcome of this? And then after people might ask about the theory. Um, now th this is something you learn in, in, in with the cultural competence side of things, but I think it's a little bit different with languages because I find at least in the Canada, I don't know about in the States, a lot of language teachers in the public school system, they don't actually teach the language they just give you the little rules and you have to conjugate verbs you do the theory without actually applying it mm. um whereas in i found in many european countries i i think switzerland being one of them because people speak so many languages there you kind of get thrown into the language right away and i was probably wondering what your ideas behind this are with with your daughters because you also mentioned how one of the benefits of traveling so much is of course learning other languages absolutely yeah and um perfect example of that actually is when I came back. Um, so I lived in Europe when I was like a teenager and I, I had a lot of Spanish speaking friends and I really liked the culture and the people and how they were. And so when I came back to Canada, I was like, I'm going to go learn Spanish. And I went right away to school and I last, I lasted one course. Like I went to the local college and it was exactly what you just said. It was like conjugation. There was no, like, I don't know. I was just like, no, this isn't for me. Like, I'm gonna, you know what I mean? I just didn't want to like, you're not learning, you're not really, you're learning theory and not really practice. So that's kind of what you're saying. And definitely when our girls moved to Switzerland, um, they have a really good, um, like a welcoming program, I guess you will, because it's very multicultural. So they're used to getting refugees. They're used to getting people from different, you know, it's a small country with all these other languages all around them. They're used to getting that. So they have a really good integration program where they're integrating the kids into the language. And what surprised me the most was like, I was like, oh, aren't they kind of behind on like their times tables when they were really young? And they're like, no, it's better that they really get the language first because that can be learned after, you know? So it was more about yeah. let's get them integrated and being able to speak and yeah. It was really cool. Now, in Switzerland, with the multicultural aspect, um, a lot of people say this between Canada and the States, that the States is a bit more of a melting pot, right? You you bring your culture and you adapt to the States. Of course, there are different areas and different cultures, but it's, it's more of a melting pot and you adapt to the American culture. Whereas in Canada, it's a little bit more like a mosaic. You have all these different cultures and multicultural, but they're keeping their own culture in a way. Um, <laughs> Do you think that's true at all or what what and then also I don't think so is in Switzerland okay Ooh, oh no the reason why I say I don't think so is because for example if you look at well maybe the people who immigrated let's say to Canada uh, may be different but certainly all those kids that are growing up they're definitely Canadian you can tell like they're like I just we went to India this year and or I guess it was last year already um 
it, they're very different culturally. Like you take the Indian family that's in Canada living, they're way more Canadian than even sometimes my kids would be. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. I think you just naturally adapt, right? I think everywhere you live, you just naturally adapt that culture. Um, most people do. I, I think that's true. It's something I bring up on the show as well, um, being a third culture kid. Right. And mm -hmm. that's where you have a lot of benefits in the way that you're a chameleon, you're able to adapt, you're usually more open minded. But then you have the the cons and it's usually have identity issues. Yeah. And where do I belong? Where is home? You know, all those things. Exactly. And I was talking about this on a previous episode, um, identity, psychedelics, uh, genetic essentialism and sleep culture with Dr. Benjamin Chung. And he does a lot of this with with third culture kids or um, he uses also the term like one and a half generation kids. So people that their parents were from another culture, they got raised in another culture and then the issues around that. And in the end, what it really comes down to is is the parents, because kids, they they're just the products of their environment in that case, because I was asking what kind of uh, strategies could kids adapt so they don't end up like me and end up having all like these identity problems. And he's like, it's really up to the parents to to be open to the culture that they brought their kids to. So I was wondering, you're doing that, right? What are some of the strategies you kind of use so that you you make your kids still proud of their heritage, but at the same time, willing and open to adapt to all these different cultural norms? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Um, I think just because we are a little bit more like go with the flow and kind of easygoing, I think that makes it doable. Um, we're not very super closed-minded in the thoughts of like, this is how it should be done or we should do it this way, you know, because some cultures are very much like that. And we've had the fear lifted you could say, um, when I grew up, we certainly really had a fear of different ways of people doing things. And that comes from what I was taught as a kid, you know, so, um, you know, these type of people are this, so you have this mental kind of barrier in your mind and you actually are fearful of this group of people. But when you travel so much and you've been to those countries, you realize how beautiful everyone is and how wonderful the world is. And most cultures are just amazing. Um, so I think that helps a lot. And uh, the kids just naturally become that, right? Yeah. More aware of that. <clears throat> no, I know you've written about this as well. So what are some of the stereotypes um, that kind of have been broken for you or these kind of preconceived ideas you had about a country or about a certain group of people that you realize it wasn't really true once you, once you went there? Um, well, and a lot of it too, like you think of movies, right? So when you watch a lot of movies... Uh, from an American perspective, a lot of these like countries that are portrayed as dangerous or whatever, or uh, you think of terrorism or you think, you know, you just have this like mindset, like, oh, they're all like that. And now it's actually maybe the reverse where I should be a little bit more like cautious, you know, mm. of certain now, I've, <laughs> you know, and then because we walked down, we were in the country of Guyana and I don't want to pick on Guyana, but it is like probably one of the most dangerous countries we've visited recently. And because we have experienced so much, we're kind of just like, oh, it's okay, you know. But then we were like really realizing how dangerous it was and what we've put ourselves in situations like that. So we were like, oh, we have to still keep our heads on our shoulders, you know, because um, not everyone is nice, right? So <laughs> Yeah, 
Yeah. Not that we had any problem, but we could have, you know. Yeah. Again, that's that's why I think when it comes to stereotypes and generalizations, we have to try and break them. But at the same time, it is sometimes useful to be aware of them and to also these aren't stereotypes, but just to be aware of how the country functions and and also how it is doing economically, because that plays a big role in how dangerous it is as well. And I don't think it's generalizing to say this country is dangerous or, you know, certain things can happen here. It's just being aware. Right? Yeah. Well, certain ones are more dangerous than obviously, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, okay, to get into the, the homeschooling side of things, I think this is really interesting because I think this is something that discourages a lot of people to do what you're doing. And you're showing that it's completely possible. Um, f first of all, what do you think some of the the cons are of homeschooling let's get into that first like what what was difficult at first and how are you overcoming those challenges Oof, we're not really overcoming them um but the <laughs> like i said i'll just be straight out um open so cons would be like our girls didn't do theater right they didn't participate in the volleyball team they didn't do scouts they didn't do all those things and right now like well, they, uh, that's not really fully true. Like when we were in Spain, they did do Spanish theater, right? So, and they did flamenco classes, but like that's because we were there for a while. But it's not, it's not like when you're on the move all the time, you you don't have your ballet class or this, you know, so you're not growing up with what a traditional childhood would be. And so I think that is definitely a con, but most people who travel don't move around so much. You can go travel and go stay four months and totally integrate them into that. So don't take my example, whoever's listening, as this is terrible. Because to be honest, if you were staying even like four or six months, you can easily integrate them. And one thing that we often will do is integrate them into youth uh, programs through a church. And we know it's a safe environment. They can meet the local kids and they usually have fun and games and whatever. And so we've done that in a lot of the countries we visited. And we try to find local things that they can do to integrate a little bit with the youth um, because of that. But certainly they, yeah, that's one of the cons. And then the other one would be like, you don't have your best buddy that you get to see every day, you know, have those sleepovers, best friends and stuff like that. So that, and then one major one is the whole schooling aspect is like having your grading um, acknowledged. So for example, my daughter, she's trying to get into now her post-secondary schooling and she hasn't sat SAT tests. So we're from a perspective that we don't really care as much because in my opinion, if you have a good attitude, you can learn anything. Like, I mean, you obviously need to know the basics, but anything can be taught and you could do well in any industry if you have the willingness to learn and the attitude to do it. And that's far surpasses anyone who's very academic and like robotic, in my opinion. And I've seen robotic countries where people just like are like, so like study, 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 but like there's no socialization there and you're not going to win in life if you can't have a proper conversation and have those people skills. So you have to have the balance. So, so is it a pro or a con? Yeah, it's a con in certain, but everything can be done. So yeah. 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 I guess it depends what direction they want to go into as well. I've, I've noticed it with, with some of my students, um, when I teach, especially Chinese children, they're my favorites because they're very disciplined, uh, very well behaved. Uh, when you give kind of critical feedback, which apparently they, they say, oh, don't be too negative. 
Um, but I find Chinese students can take negative feedback way better than most Western students are. I wouldn't say European. I say Americans and Canadian kids. They they don't take negative feedback too good <laughs> these days. Um, obviously generalizing there a bit. But... No, but you know what it is? Because like they're not um, in Canada and in America. It's like always like, oh, you're a winner. You're so good. It's like being positive with the child. And it's just like, dude, it's okay to tell a child like they've done wrong or whatever. You know, like you don't know but this mentality and and certainly not tell somebody else's child like forget about that like this is the one difference i love when i go to uh when we're in europe it's like all the other parents disciplining the other children around them it still happens and if you do that in america man the, the mom's gonna like beat you up or something like you cannot do that to, what are you talking about to my child you know that, that's so true uh yeah. So where, where do you lie right now on this? Like, w would you be open to another parent um, telling telling your kid what's up or? Oh, yeah. Like when we were kids. I mean, it was the most shocking thing, actually, when we were first in Europe is people would tell because we had been in Florida. So we had like this like loud child, according to the European kind of standards. And they'd be always like telling them to be quiet, um, you know, and we were just like, oh, OK. Um, so what about in Spain? Would they tell them to be quiet in Spain? Because no. I find Spain louder than. Oh, yeah, uh, totally. America. Actually, in Spain, it's the opposite. And they're always like so happy to see the children. And it's like, yeah, I'm talking Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but then and then you talk about the French ladies, like they actually schooled their children way too much. I'm always like looking at the French moms and my girls are always like, Mom, you're so nice compared to, to them. <laughs> and generalizing. <laughs> I'm curious here with the this because your your daughters lived in Spain. Yeah, you lived in Spain, and then being American. From my experience as a as someone who was raised in Canada and now lives in Spain, uh, my parents are from Belgium. But I've noticed when I grew up, my fair my parents were much more family oriented than most of my friends around me. Right, like we would have meals at a certain time, and that meal is super important. That you can't go hang out with your friends at that time. You go and have your family meal. I remember at the time complaining about it. Now I'm really appreciative of, of it and grateful. Mm. Um, and then now here in Spain, I'm having the opposite where all my friends are busy on Sunday because Sunday is a family day and I have no one to meet up with on a Sunday. And it, the longer I live in Spain, even though I moved away from my family, the more I, I and the more I'm adapting to the culture here, the more I have this like need to be around family. Mm. So I wonder... How, what do you think is happening with with your family or with your daughters? Do you feel like they're more um, North American in the sense of being very independent from family, wanting the need to move away from family, or kind of like where the Spanish and and then well, actually, <laughs> um, Eastern cultures as well, wanting to be near family? I think our girls have grown up because we are always together. Um, and we, I grew up with a family that was like yours. So my dad is Swiss and we would have family meals together, sit down, you know, even like things like just eating fast, standing up wasn't like, it's was like sit down, have a proper sit down, you know? Um, and when we do that now, like we often, when we're in an area, we'll meet some of the local kids that come over and have a meal with us. This one girl was with us and she's like, do you guys do this all the time? We were like, do what she's like have lunch and like sit and talk and whatever and we're like yeah that's and it was foreign to her and I was like wow that's so crazy um a lot of parents had the experience where they were now home during COVID and I talked to many of them that were like didn't have that experience of 
having meals together and it's something that was lost and that's been lost because in in america people are working two jobs or each parent and there's no um there's no value on that family structure anymore and yeah. sundays are always working because everything's open whereas in europe still a lot of stores are closed so there's more of a an ability to have that family um day if you will and kind of like that time together things close at lunchtime still in europe you know all those things that um have been thrown out the door and um biggest difference too is like when we go back to america you see people on their phones during conversations while they're eating or whatever and it's just something that you know we don't do very much and the girls notice that a lot they're like wow you know that's crazy <laughs> you know yeah. 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 It's something that when I go back to Canada, definitely disturbs me is the, the amount people are on their phones and yeah, the socializing aspect is definitely, in my opinion, I like it more here in, in Europe. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're all, we're all like, we're all, uh, we all fall prey to like being on your phone, but like, there's just a little sure. bit way less than in, in Canada, US for sure. Yeah. Now, well, one thing I, I've always been curious about what I don't like here in Europe is everyone sends me voice messages, right? I find it, I don't know how it is in America. In Canada, it's much more popular just to get a text message, if, even if it's via WhatsApp or whatever. Um, and then here, I always get a voice message and I hate it because if I'm, at a, if I'm out, I can't really hear it. Plus, it's, it takes a lot more time to listen to a message than it does to type it out. And I looked at some of the reasons behind it and obviously it's like the linguistic um how how there um how much variety is variety there is here um and then also ling english has shorter words it's a little bit easier to to make it shorter in a message but yeah, I mean, you notice true it's absolutely true uh, you know what do you send uh the voice message or do you type write it out i hardly um oh i do a bit of both but like certainly when i'm I adapt to the person who's messaging me. So when somebody sends me a voice message, then I start voice messaging them back. The ones who text, I text. But yeah, you're right. You're right. I never thought of it as a, a difference between different continents, but it is true. Yeah. It does seem that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, just to bring this back into the schooling, because let, let's look at the benefits of homeschooling. There's a lot of videos out there now talking about how the public school system destroys the brains of kids and oh, just wow. on a just on a physiological level it's sleep and they've been they've done studies with this in the states but they've also noticed that this is true cross-culturally like culture definitely affects how much sleep you need and everything but when it comes to teenagers especially um during during puberty there's a uh, steep decline in REM, REM sleep and then uh, an increase in non-REM sleep but the other three stages that are important as well um, and then their circadian rhythm completely shifts so like asking a teenager to go to bed at 10 p.m is like asking an adult to go to bed at 7 p.m and asking him to wake up at 7 a.m is like asking an adult to wake up at 4 a.m and of course, there are always individual differences here, but we're talking about in general, and it is quite cross-cultural here. Um, and that's one of the reasons that kids struggle in school. And they've they've shifted the um, they've experimented with this and shifted the classes an hour later, and it had an increase in the marks, well-being, just overall better. Wow, isn't that uh, amazing? So how has it been with your kids? Because well, they, on one side they have to suffer from jet lag a lot of time, 
I was going to say, we probably have the choice to sleep in a bit more. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like uh, when I compare my friends, teenage kids that sometimes will sleep till noon, our girls just don't. And I think it's because we're on a rhythm um, and our rhythm changes depending on the country we go to. This is really interesting. When we're in Spain, all of a sudden we're eating out late at night and we sometimes end up in bed at 2 a.m. And then so we naturally adapt when we're in certain um, like I don't know, certain countries were up at 5 a.m. and we just naturally get up at 5 a.m. and uh, because the culture is different and uh, the weather's different. I don't know, things change. It's really interesting. I, um, I'm going to have to watch the video or the podcast you did with um, the doctor you were saying with um, the, the sleep and everything like that. Like, that's really interesting because one thing we notice is that our kids sometimes sleep better in different places than others and we don't know why, you know, it could be the bed, could be like... You're constantly changing beds, pillows, all that. So, you know, that's that must take a toll on you And at some point, right? I mean, we're just used to it. But I know some people, like, they have to have their certain pillow or, <laughs> you know. Definitely. Well, I, I think it would be very interesting for sleep researchers to talk to your children because they have a very unique standpoint here. Because what I just talked about comes from some research that's a bit older. And then the episode you're talking about with Dr. Benjamin Chung, uh, this is actually brand new research that they're doing at UBC in, in uh, Vancouver. And they were looking at the differences in how culture affects sleep. And Japanese people, they have a much different perception of sleep than we do, especially in the West and in the United States and in Canada. Um, right? It's, sleep is kind of seen as like a weaker thing, whereas we really celebrate sleep and we also sleep longer hours in America oh, and wow. Canada. Yeah. But then it turns out when you measure all the physiological problems that are associated with lack of sleep, the Japanese people have less than the Americans when they get the, when they both have less sleep, like they're just able to handle it better. And it seems to really be a cultural thing. So what you're saying now about your, your daughters is being able to shift depending on the cultural environment kind of aligns with that research, but just on such an extreme level because they're shifting all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then like the, like the whole time zone changes and then travel just exhausts you, to be honest. Like when you're yeah. sightseeing and traveling and moving and moving, moving it, there's like a whole different level of, uh, you know, you just get tired because it's exhausting. <laughs> right. Uh, I say to my girls, like they, they were joking the other day. My one daughter said that she wanted to go join the army because she's like, I would put the guys to shame. She's like 12 kilos on my back, run through an airport don't feed me all day. I can go, you know, 30 degrees, 40 degrees weather. I can handle it. Like, she's just like, I mean, like she feels like she can like do all these things because what we put them through, you know what I mean? Uh, most nice. kids would just be like kicking and complaining the whole day long, but they're just like, oh, you know, through subways and metros and on trains and upstairs and, you know, all that crazy stuff that you do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, now I'm curious, what, what do they want to study? Do they want to go back? Do they want to go back to United States to study or study in Europe or? Uh, yeah. So like, uh, just to clarify, we're actually Canadian and Swiss. So. Oh, okay. Canadian. So, but we, okay. Yeah. So, but we did live in Florida. So they, they kind of feel like that's home as well. So they've got a lot of places that feel like home. Uh, it's really funny too. Our kids will, every time we're out, they're like, when are we going home? Meaning like, where are we st- sleeping tonight is home. You know, we, wherever we go is like, that's home now, you know? It's crazy. Um, but my one daughter, she wants to study hotel management. She would love to get into the hotel industry. And I mean, she's slept in countless hotel rooms and experienced all different types of accommodations. And 
So she has her own vision of what she wants and she wants to own a specific type of hotel and she's got like this big vision. Um, so we'll see. And then the other two are trying to still figure out, and that's a big challenge. Like, what do we do and where do we study? And where are you guys going to be if we're studying here? Like, there's all these questions that come into play. Um, yeah. So big decision times right now. And, but do they want to study in Canada then or in, in Europe? Europe. In Europe. Um, yeah, they feel like, because they never really lived in Canada. Like my one daughter, we left when she was like four weeks old and the other two were like two and four. Um, so home for them feels more like Europe right now. And it also feels like New Zealand. Like, the, so, okay. yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah. less expensive as well in yeah. Europe. De depending though, like I think people have a little bit of a misconception there. If you if you compare a lot of the public universities or the, the most regular universities, it's definitely cheaper in a lot of European countries. But if you're comparing the top university, not to America, America is, <laughs> is another story, but Canada yeah. and, um, and uh, a lot of places in Europe, the top universities can be a, a similar price, actually. Probably, yeah. Yeah, especially when you look, like she was looking at different schools in Switzerland. I mean, the hotel management schools there are like the top in the world, right? So it obviously yeah. comes with a certain fee. And I'm like, oh. Well, almost everything <laughs> in Switzerland is, is, is top level. Everything yeah. functions quite well. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Corruption functions well, but <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a well-run country. Yes. Um, <laughs> and just, um, okay, wondering about, Oh, um, sorry, where is I going with this? Um, okay, so, so some more of the chameleon aspect of your daughters. You've, you've mentioned a lot about this, how they feel at home in Europe. Do you think one of the reasons they might feel more at home in Europe than in Canada is because they're such chameleons? Because this is kind of what I have um, here in Europe is I don't feel like I'm Belgian. I don't feel like I'm I'm Spanish. I don't feel like I'm Chilean. I don't feel like I'm Canadian. I've always felt like a world citizen. And I find being in Europe gives me the best opportunity to be a world citizen because I feel, I know the world's round, <laughs> but I feel like I'm in the center of the world here. Oh, interesting. Uh, because it's just so easy to get around. And it's always, it's easy like, cheap flights to all of a sudden experience a different language experience a different culture whereas in canada <laughs> you fly the same amount of distance and the exact same culture uh, well maybe slight variations but yeah, yeah pretty much that um hmm, that's a really interesting question so um i think they just can relate to the culture uh maybe in europe and the way everyone is versus um, when they go back to Canada, they just don't feel culturally the same. Although saying that when we went to New Zealand, they really related to the culture because everyone's just laid back and everyone speaks English and they said it feels like they're in America. So I don't know. And maybe they just have a preference for Europe. And that's also where home is. That's where our stuff is at the moment. And so that to them means home when we go there and all their stuff is there in their room and stuff like that. So, uh, now, now the late aspect, the laid back aspect of New Zealand kind of makes me think of the West coast. And I don't know how I missed this. I read a bunch of your articles, you know, a bunch of your videos. I, I don't, I didn't catch which city you're from in Canada. Uh, um, north of Kingston, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I guess 
I think there, there might be a greater cultural difference between New Zealand and Kingston than maybe like the West Coast to Canada and New Zealand. I'm not sure if I'm right in saying that. But I Why is West Coast, Coast very, is West Coast very laid back? I think it's more laid back than the East Coast. Like when I used to work in marketing, um, I noticed that, you know, like in the East, the people from Toronto were quite a bit more, more punctual and structured. Um, oh, sure. Also just more like task oriented and the West Coast was a little bit more laid back with a lot of things. Ah, that's yeah. interesting. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I think it's the lifestyle too in New Zealand, right? Like you have the opportunity to go snowboarding sometimes and surfing in the same day <laughs> and during some it's, seasons. Yeah, it's just uh, the people there are very, uh, I don't know. I just really like it um, in the sense that it's very... Like you said, or I just said, like laid back and it's still things are done on a handshake. Um, you know, it's not like, okay, we're going to do a, a work agreement and, you know, in America and all these places, you have to like sign all these like papers and, you know, over there, it's just like, yep, all good, good to go, good as gold, you know, and you're just like, wow, this feels like maybe what it would have been like, you know, 30 years ago in our country. I don't know. I, I just really enjoy that aspect of it. And the people are genuinely like friendly and authentic there's yeah. way more authenticity um you know and that just i feel the research i think 30 years ago might have been similar actually because a lot of the research comes from 30 years ago and uh, compared to other english-speaking countries new zealand is a bit more um relationship-based than uh task-based compared to like mm -hmm. canada and the states um, oh interesting so I, I wonder if that has something to do with it um, I was just, just thinking about um, your daughter's experience and wanting to go into hotel management and then y your whole family just going from hotel to hotel and Airbnbs. What is your opinion on the discussions around Airbnb and what it does to the economy, what it does to the local economy, um, if it's beneficial or not? What do you think? We used to book a lot with Airbnb. Um, but that was before I discovered sites like Home Exchange. And I would say right now, like 90% probably of our travel is with Home Exchange. And that's just revolutionized everything. And um, so it's, I think it's just what everyone should do when it comes to travel because you're not everyone can do it. Obviously, not everyone has that mindset of sharing and opening your home, but it's literally like, exchanging homes exchanging with guest points versus um dollars and there's a whole different mentality around it and the mindset is very um community oriented and trustworthy people take care of your place you take care of their place like it's very good and there's a lot of vacant vacant homes out there that are just not being utilized right and so i think yeah. it'll be interesting to see where the future goes with that um yeah, I just much prefer it. I don't really like Airbnbs. If we have to avoid them, I prefer not to stay at an Airbnb. Um, yeah. Um, what do you prefer about home exchange versus the Airbnb? Everything. Okay, so when you go into someone's home, it's not the sterile environment. You're in their home. So just little things like when you go to Airbnbs, a lot of times right now, it's might as well be a hotel room with maybe a little kitchenette. It's not, it doesn't have anything, no, no, most countries, like you don't have all the things. When you go into someone's home, like when somebody comes to my home, there's oil, there's vinegar, there's salt, there's pepper, there's coffee. And it's really much like if you use the pasta, replace the same brand of pasta and good to go. You know, you don't walk into a home that's like nothing there. Um, desks and 
functioning things like just like you're missing a charger or an adapter that's in their house or um i don't know everything everything that comes with like living in somebody's home versus even gardening i know this sounds weird but i love like going when i go to a home exchange and someone has a garden i go out and weed the garden because it's like therapeutic for me i love it um or water their, their flowers or you know like whatever it's just like you're living in someone's home and so you feel like you have a home life when you're going to an airbnb you feel like you're traveling i guess that's the yeah. biggest difference home life versus traveling life and we like to it. feel home yeah i i've been thinking about getting into home exchange as well uh, i just haven't really I'm just so busy right now. I haven't had the opportunity to go somewhere for a long period of time. I might actually do that this summer. Um, also, they just seem like a really good business. I have a close, well, my best friend, his parents use uh, home exchange quite often. And most of just like you, they prefer it over Airbnb a lot of the time. And they, they use it for, uh, for a lot of their travels. And during COVID, when obviously a lot of people who had these plans and ha had money and everything and or the points, the the points exchanged. Um, forget exactly how it worked, but they they got everything back. Even though in the policy, like the home exchange could have just kept it as it is. Everyone that had things set up, they got all their points back. In some cases, I guess there's money involved as well. They got that. They way. they were really good with COVID um, to to be lenient with that, which was really good for people who yeah had booked things or had to reschedule or whatever. So yeah, that worked out really good. Um, like most of our stays have been oh, like since we discovered Home Exchange in 2019. And there's like other sites out there that are similar, but this one's kind of maybe the biggest one that we've been using. And yeah, it's just fantastic. Like there's people arriving to my place right now. They're from Siesta Key, Florida. They're getting there. Um, they paid me with points. The next home we're staying at in Thailand is amazing. Um, they have a future place uh, in our place because they're wanting to go snowboarding in March. So like, it's just this open network and the people you end up meeting friends. Like I have a lot of people that I communicate now with on a regular, they're like friends to me, you know what I mean? And they're from home exchange and they're all travelers. So you have this different, you know, it's a different mindset than most people have when you're non-traveler. So yeah. True. Yeah. I guess you'd be meeting people with who are travelers. And then also, I guess it's a little bit of an intimate experience because they're, they're living in your home and you're living in their home. So you obviously yeah. get to know them without yeah. even me meeting them face to face. Right? Yeah. 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 People send you pictures. Like it's just, it's really cool. I mean, not everyone likes that. I have a friend who's like, I don't want, I, I wouldn't want to know the person where I'm staying. When I go somewhere, I just want it to be like, I don't want to have to talk to somebody or, you know, they just want their own thing. I'm like, so it's not for everyone, you know, but it's certainly well, way more affordable than paying everything out of your pocket. And you, yeah, you're, I always think like the people you're going to meet and the people that you don't know yet, like those are all future relationships that you'll have for life. And that's so valuable. Yeah. And they, you have insurance as well with it, right? The yeah. home exchange provides a, an insurance or you can pay Absolutely. for it. Yep. There's a, and there's one included like in your membership. Um, yeah. So you're covered. Nice. Um, well, I guess that was a little free advertisement for uh, Home Exchange. But what exactly. I'm curious about too is is your business. Uh, we're coming up near the end of the episode here, and I, I would love to learn a little bit more about it because I know you sell courses, and um, also, of course, your business is one of the reasons this is all possible for your family, right? So, mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah. Um, well, I wear several hats, you could say, and so my husband and I, when we were first married, we we 
build a lot of relationships in Canada and Ontario with a lot of the local businesses. And a lot of those clients are still our clients today. Um, and the beauty of being able to work online and work remotely is that you can run your business from everywhere or anywhere, right? So as long as we have internet, I can constantly be uh, working as we go. Um, so it's not easy. Like sometimes you're waking up in the middle of the night to do a phone call or what have you, and you're managing a lot of things. So we kind of, we've been doing that for many, many years, which is online marketing for companies like web development and, and what have you, domains and hosting and um, anything to do with online marketing. And then when we started traveling, we were like, oh, we should really like turn this into a business so that we can like make travel our business, you know? So that's why we started growing up with our borders and our YouTube channel and such. And at the time I was like, oh, I don't know if I should like do that because it's putting our family out there. And I was worried that my existing clients would know that we're traveling and then think that we're not taking care of business. So I was like a little bit concerned about that. Um, but then the benefits outweighed that. And we're like, and now probably 95% of the people that are my clients still don't know I'm traveling. They think I'm still local, so they don't really care. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's oh, quite I didn't expect that. Yeah. I know. Like, um, so a client I just talked to two weeks ago, I don't know. He was like, what are you up to? And, uh, we, we sort of, I don't want to, when somebody asks me, I tell them, but I don't really tell them. I don't tell them to the extent. So I just said, Oh, you know, we're kind of like nomadic now, you know, we're, we're digital nomads or whatever. But then he went on Google as we were on the phone call and he's like, Chantel, I'm gonna say, to... you're pretty famous, right? You have a, over 125,000 subscribers on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but like, no, my clients, like, why would a client Google somebody that they've been working with for years, right? They don't really do that. But this guy did because he's like, he's like, all of a sudden, like, let me Google you. And then he read to me, like, what was coming up online. He goes, hmm. And then I was like, yeah, that's what we've been up to. <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, cool. Crazy. Um, and so, so you have the digital marketing courses and you have other courses as well? Yeah. So we, the girls wanted to start like online geography classes for people who want to learn geography from a fun perspective, from their perspective, you know, just like what's it like to, you know, visit the country. So it's just like more authentic um, geography classes made fun. And, um, yeah, we offer consulting calls for people who want to learn about traveling with a family as a family. A lot of people are nervous to do it or just need knowledge on how to do it and what have you. So I do calls for people who want that kind of information from us and, um, yep. And then our YouTube channel, we're starting to take off with, you know, brand sponsorships and different things like that, like as you probably do as well. And so, yeah, Okay, awesome. Um, uh, well, and anything else that you think is important for the listeners to know here about the the businesses, or I guess some tips for how people could get into it? Um, just yeah, little teasers of what you give in your course. <laughs> oh, well, my course is for people who are just starting off and who want to really get started. So there's not like, there's still like good concrete information, but it's um, my suggestion to people would be to format backwards what you want and reverse kind of engineer what you want your life to be like. So if this is the style of life you want, then work it backwards versus trying to figure out the other way around. And I'm trying to do that with my daughters now. I'm like, you know, you really like doing this. Maybe you should do that. But then this is the lifestyle I want. Does it match this? Can it get me there? You know? And so if you reverse kind of engineer what you want to become or what kind of lifestyle you want, um, that'll help. And 
one of the things my husband and I from the get-go said is we don't want to be like in a specific location and be forced to be there. And so we've done every decision so that we don't have to be there, which meant turning down certain things that we had to turn down, which could have been good, but then in the long run, give us the benefit of being digital nomads, essentially. So, yeah. Yeah. And then I guess, as you mentioned too, one of the choices you have to make then if you want to not be bound to a country is waking up in the middle of the night, right? So how how do you deal with that? How do you deal with a constantly fluctuating sleep schedule and constantly maybe some days you have to work from six till two and other days you have to work from 12 at night till four at night and then again in the evening most of the time like in most countries i can schedule it still to like if i need to call a client or be on uh that i or a lot of it's through email now as well which is great because i just schedule my emails um to go out at certain times so i'm in that time zone and i'm starting to have clients you know, in different countries. So I just, I kind of work around that, but I, I do value my sleep. So I will do the best that I can to not have to schedule those calls, but in certain cases you just have to, but for the most part, it's still within working and waking hours. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Shandell, we're coming up on the, the end of the episode here. Uh, last thing I want to finish off here is because we both have we were both drawn to very similar names for our projects, right? Mine without borders and my website is born without borders. That's unbelievable. That's uh, amazing. Yours is gr- growing up without borders. Yes. Uh, what kind of got you into that name? And is there, is there a certain like value system you have around this idea of without borders? Yeah, it was. And a lot of people will like comment about that to me on our YouTube channel being like, oh, borders are so important or you don't believe in borders. Like, obviously, I believe in borders and cultural differences and all that. But our mentality of growing like growing up was because our girls were growing up without borders. They were traveling around the world. They're like seeing different things and they don't have this mindset. It's just like what you said. You feel like you're from Earth. Like and sometimes when people say that, they feel like they're from planet earth you know they see the world as one obviously different countries within that world but they really see it as one borderless people of you know and so i think that that's how the kind of concept came out of that so yeah perfect because that, that's exactly what i'm trying to promote with this podcast and with this project as well because uh, i have had the same question where people are like oh do you not believe in borders and i say well, of course, I understand that borders are important. They help to preserve linguistic heritages. Um, they're also important for, in some cases, keeping some people out when we're talking about terrorist groups or something like this, right? But um, in the end, I do believe a certain diminishing of the borders, kind of like what European has with the Schengen states and things like this. Um, I do think there's a lot of benefit to it. I've benefited from it. Um, and I would like that to spread more around the world. Do you think it will ever be possible for, let's say, um, South America to have something a little bit more like what we have here in Europe or let's say some parts of Asia? Do you, could you see it happening or is it kind of like movement, ease of movement, ease of, of visa free ease of, I think so. Um, I think so. Even Africa, like within uh, the African countries, certain ones, I can see them being more like working together. Yeah, I think so. I don't know, like, obviously, certain countries have a lot bigger issues than 
we even probably know. Um, but I think to a certain degree, yes. Yeah. Well, it's good to know as someone who's traveled to so many places that it's definitely possible to have this freedom of movement. Well, just look at how easier it has been, even just in the short amount of time probably that you've been traveling, um, things are getting easier, easier as you go. A lot of countries are doing, uh, you know, where it used to be a lot of paperwork, they're now doing visa on arrival or e-visas or different things to make it more uh, doable. Um, yeah. And hopefully for certain countries, it's changing because like I said, we have such good passports, like... You know, we really don't. We both have very privileged backgrounds, right? Canada, especially me, Canada and the Belgium. The two of the yeah, best. I'd be interested to see if you've done any podcasts with just geographically. Like some people will say, okay, you know when people say, oh, white privilege, right? Well, there's also like this geographically privileged group of people. A lot of people are geographically privileged just by being born in a certain place. Like you are so privileged. You know what I mean? We don't realize that until you really start traveling. Definitely. It's got me into trouble, actually, because I, I did express that viewpoint once um, when I was talking about sometimes like in America, of course, I, like, I'm completely aware about the racism um, towards African-Americans and that it's very problematic and that it's systemic. I understand all of that. But I did bring up the point where if you want to travel like an African-American or let's say like a middle class African-American born in America is going to have it a lot easier than a white Ukrainian before the war, because my partner's Ukrainian, so that's kind of what got me thinking about this, like a white Ukrainian being able to travel around mm -hmm. the world because they're from geographically a different place. They're not yep. going to be able to go around. Now, of course, for the African-American, I understand in some places they're going to experience racism and have difficulties yep. that the white Ukrainian man would not have. Of course, yep. I realize that. But I was yep. just saying from another standpoint, Geography plays a big role. And just by being born in America, by being born in Belgium, no matter skin color, no matter this, you are born with a certain privilege as well. I know. People don't talk about very often. Yeah, it saddens me to, like, I just, I don't know. Like, when I travel, I'm like, oh, it sucks for so many people. Like, and there's just like, why, you know, why, like, why was this person just, like, why can't it be better, basically? I don't know. You just... But you will never understand that. You know what I mean? I don't think I'll ever understand it. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's something I'm trying to understand on this show. Um, and in the end, I guess it's kind of what we're both saying with our projects, right? The without borders idea is breaking down these preconceived notions. Doesn't mean to break down, get rid of actual borders, but it means to get rid of the borders between ourselves. Like these, these... <laughs> these borders yeah. that we kind of make up in our minds. Yeah. Like, I think it would be such a beneficial thing if in the high school curriculum would be um, every student has to go three months to a country that is um, just a harder country, like very different than what they're used to, culturally, language, religion, everything, just to like that child will do so much better in life if they experience that and then they come back. And I think it would uh, alleviate a lot of problems with... Um, you know, what people, I don't know. I don't know if I want to call it yeah. spoiled kids syndrome or whatever, you know, it would just like, it would really help with a lot of things. And then people would have a better understanding and the world would just be better in overall, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Well, Chantal, I think that's a good place to end it for today. And again, listeners, um, I'm going to put links to all of Chantal's courses into the description. So if you're interested in checking them out, 
and interested about learning how to travel with a family, definitely check out those links. And if you want to support this show, please go to bornwithoutborders.substack.com. There's a new episode every Tuesday. Tune in next time. Thanks, Dolan.